Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Thank you so much for being with us. Genesis 22, verse 1 through 18. I'm going to begin reading. If you can read along with me, that would be fantastic. If you don't have your device or your good old-fashioned Bible like I do, it will be up on the screen for you to read along with us. And it says, Now I came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. And then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering. And he arose and went to the place of which God told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder, haven't heard that word in a while, and worship. And we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, "Here Here am I, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb and a burnt offering. So the two of them went together and they came to a place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood on the altar. And he uh, bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife out to, he took the knife out to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, And he said, here am I. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad, nor do anything to him. For now I know. Somebody say, I know. I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by the thorns, by his horns, excuse me. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it to the Lord. The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, he called the place. In the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham the second time out of heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and not have, have not withheld your only son. In blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seat, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Somebody say, amen. Today, I want to minister from a subject called sacrifice. Somebody say sacrifice. I know that word is pretty scary, especially in today's society, in today's culture, because 
not many young people understand this word. They may be familiar with this word, but not many people fully understand it. And even more so, there are not many people who practice it. I want you to nudge somebody and say, what do you know about sacrifice? You know, Christianity, by definition, means a sacrificial lifestyle. I don't know if you wear that crucifix on your neck, nor if you have that bracelet that has a cross engraved, but that symbol symbolizes sacrifice. I want to tell you today that a life that is filled with selfishness, somebody say selfishness, is a very unfulfilling life. A life that is lived for itself never has enough. I remember when I was living without the Lord and living certainly far from him and doing my own thing, Donnie was doing his own thing, I couldn't be more empty. It amazes me how many people indulge themselves in more and more sin and yet it's never enough. Look at somebody and say, it'll never be enough. But a life that is filled and marked by sacrifice is a life that is filled with joy and contentment and fulfillment because it's got the recipe to life's secret. That a life that is filled with sacrifice produces the opposite of what a selfish life fulfills. A life that is satisfied, a life, a life that gives and doesn't expect any return, any, anything in return like Jesus lived. Amen? And God calls us all to live at some level to identify ourselves with him because he, by nature, is a sacrificial God. Amen? Most people think that following Jesus is not, there's no high price that comes along with it. Amen? They think most people in the Western society, in the Western world that we live in, when they come to church, they don't come to church to be sacrificial people. By the way, you wouldn't believe how many people come to church on Sunday morning on this holy day and come thinking that they're doing God a favor. We laugh, but I can't tell you how true that is. Because if truth be told, they have come to get an encouraging message. They've come to get healed, or they've come to get a word from the Lord. They've come for their own self-fulfillment, not because they're attempting to be sacrificial to God. Although there are those people who think that they're being sacrificial and have come because they're hurting, and so it was a sacrifice for them to get out of bed this morning. That is a sacrifice. I was thinking about, for some people who are lifting their hands this morning, who want to keep their hands down by their side, that, that is a level of sacrifice. The Bible says, come into his courts and give him the sacrifice of praise. And sometimes it is indeed a sacrifice because not everything is always going great or the way that we want it in our life. And so when you praise God in spite of your experience in the now, that's a sacrifice. Amen? Just ask that young, rich ruler. I want to read this quickly to you. I don't want to read too many verses this morning. My basis is about Abraham and his sacrifice with his son. But I want to just quickly read this to you. It's in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And it says this. Now as he was going out on the road, he came running. The young rich ruler came running and knelt before him, meaning Jesus, and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good. That is God only. 
You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. But Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. You lack sacrifice. One thing you lack. Go your way and sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come, take up your cross and follow me. But this man was sad at this word. And he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. It was amazing to me that, first of all, this young rich ruler didn't give up anything because he only looked at Jesus as a teacher. And you will not live a sacrificial life with Jesus if all you see out of Jesus is him being a good teacher. If you don't see him as God, he will not be worthy of your all. You won't give anything up if you don't see him more. See, this guy came selfishly looking for something more. Amen? And until you see him as your all in all, you won't be willing to give up anything. And if you do give anything, it's only in measure. Amen? He's got to be our everything. And unless you see him as the savior of the world, the savior of your soul, the redeemer, the lover of your life, he will not be worth your sacrifice. Amen? Ask Peter, who got crucified up down, upside down for his faith. This man who only really seen Jesus as that good teacher. In the first part of his life, when given a chance to confess that Jesus was Lord in the most important season of Jesus' life when he's about to be crucified, Peter says this, I don't know the man. But after he gets a real revelation of who Jesus is, he's not just willing to give up his life and his family. He's willing to give his life by being hung upside down on a cross. And he said, historians, the historian Josephus said it like this. He said he wanted to be crucified upside down because he was not worthy to be hung like his Lord. Ask Daniel, who was thrown in the lion's den. Ask the earlier followers of Jesus who got lit up by Nero, the king at that time, and their bodies lit up the streets at night, and they sung as they were being burned to death for their faith. We're talking about sacrifice. They would sing hymns, and they would sing praise to God as they were being led to the Roman cathedral to be fed by lions, fed to lions, excuse me, because they were sacrificial. Ask those who suffered in prison as they were chained to the stocks and they sung until they fell asleep at night with rats crawling over their legs, singing praise to God. Is he worthy of that kind of sacrifice in your life? And there are lots of different things I feel that uh, are produced as a result of a sacrificial life. Look at somebody and say, are you living a sacrificial life? It's quiet up in the Presbyterian church this morning. Look at your other neighbor, your second choice, and ask them, are you living a sacrificial life? One thing that it produces is it produces trust. Everybody say trust. In Genesis 22, verse 1, the first verse that I read about Abraham sacrificing his son, it says this, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. He tested him. And he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. 
God wasn't looking to crucify Abraham's son. He was looking to see if he could be trusted with giving up what was most dearest to him. We often think in these terms that we come to God and we're like, can I trust you, God? Can I trust you to answer my prayers? Can I trust you to provide for me? Can I trust you with my future? But nobody's asking the question, can God trust me? And there are churches that are full of people who halfway trust God. But here's my question to you this morning. Can God trust you? And can God trust you? And can he trust me? The Bible says that Abraham arose early in the morning and Abraham obeyed God quickly. Everybody say quickly. He didn't delay. I have seen the results of not obeying God quickly. As Angelique was worshiping this morning, she was talking about honesty. And I feel that is one thing that I feel is lacking from the podium these days. Pastors get up in front of large congregations and small congregations alike, and they give them the word of the Lord, and they preach out of the scriptures, but they very rarely use their own lives as a barometer. As many live one way, yet preach another. And we hide our scars, spiritually speaking, with lots of clothing and you may not think this, but there are many pastors that I know that use the word of God to hide themselves behind and masquerade behind their preaching, and yet they're scarred. One thing I loved about the model of Jesus is that he allowed the disciples to see him in agony. And the reason why I believe he did this is because he wanted them to have some kind of reference point because he knew that one day they too would suffer agony. And he showed them, he didn't, he didn't prohibit them from seeing them. He wanted to show them how to grieve in deep times when you felt forsaken by God. Has anybody ever felt forsaken? And so the Bible says that he arose quickly and he obeyed God quickly. And it's one thing to obey God when you have nothing, but what do you do when he asks for your promise? I've often shared for the first 20 years of my life, I slept, I didn't sleep on a bed at, well, my teen years, and there were the many years thereafter. I couldn't afford one. I'm only 34, so you do the mathematics. And I often said, God, you can have everything, but the problem was is I didn't really have anything to give but me. And that is the truth. You know, I thought my earlier years were difficult until God began to bless me with all the promises that he said he would. He blessed me with son, wife, and family, and a business, and now a church, and all these great things. And I thought that was a sacrifice early on, but little did I know that one day he would ask me for the very things back that he had blessed me with. And it's one thing to say, God, you can have it all when you have nothing. But what do you do when you have the promise and God tests you to see if he can trust you and ask you for it back? I sat on my back porch with a, an amazing pastor. He pastors a church in Claremont. Um, I won't mention his name, but he's an amazing man, just in case he's listening. I sat on my back porch, and we were talking about all the great and amazing things that God is doing, and I began to tell him this very thing. I said, it's one thing, because he, he said, you know, he's not called to the business world. I feel I'm both called to the business world as well as the church simultaneously. I would go nuts just sitting behind the desk all day. I need to be out in the field. I need to be behind the desk. I love the variety and I love the diversity 
of the way that God has wired me. But this particular pastor, and, and my hat's off to him, he said he wasn't called to that. He was strictly called to, you know, be a, a clergy and to, to pastor a church, which my hat's off to him. I totally respect that. And um, I began to share with him my, my story. And I remember when I first got my $1,000 again at this time, I didn't have, have a bed. And, and my bank account was the first time I had $1,000. And so I go and sit with this pastor, and I felt the word of the Lord tell me, I want you to give everything. I want you to give everything. And, and, and I begin to bind the devil. And I said, get thee behind me, Satan. And so my hand began to tremble as I sat in front of Pastor Guy Ionello in my checkbook. And I remember because I didn't grow up very educated, wasn't very educated at the time. Things have changed just a little bit. But uh, as I begin to shake as a teenage boy, I'm 16 or 17 year old, years old, and my hand is trembling. And I ask him how to, I don't know if it was the nervousness or if it was just my lack of education. And I asked him how to spell the word thousand. My hand began to tremble as I wrote that thousand dollar checkout. And I thought that was the greatest sacrifice of my life again. That wasn't the actual promise that God was asking for. It, I was just, he was asking for a sacrifice in the early days before he had really blessed me. Not knowing that the day would come that he would ask me to start a Christian, uh, Ascension Christian Center and ask me for 100% more than that. Amen? And so once that day came that he asked me for everything, I would be, my tolerance would be built up to be more sacrificial. Amen? Somebody say, start, somebody say, start small. Amen. Hallelujah. Is everybody okay this morning? I want you to hear this scripture right here. And it says this in James chapter 2, verse 23. It says this, And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted for him, it was accounted unto him as righteousness. Now watch what he calls Abraham, and he was called, does anybody know? Say it out loud. The, the father of many nations, but also the friend of God. The friend of God. You know what I believe that God was looking for out of Abraham? He wasn't just looking for his son, and I don't believe that he even wanted Abraham to sacrifice his son. As you see in the text, he stopped him from sacrificing. God was looking for friendship. You can have no friendship without trust. And you know you really love God if he takes something that's valuable to you and near and dear to you, particularly a promise, and you still remain friends with him even after he takes it. That defines the level, level and depth of a relationship with God. God is looking for friendship. Look at somebody and say, he's looking for your friendship. And what creates depth in that friendship is the level of sacrifice. If you do not give deeply and sacrificially, you will not have an in-depth relationship with Jesus. Because the life of Christianity is that of deep sacrifice. Deep sacrifice. And I all too well know what swift disobedience does. Would you like to see some of my scars? I remember... I had a dream. I was a young adults minister at a church in Apopka. I don't know if I've ever told this story publicly, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it this morning. I feel I'm supposed to be open to someone this morning. I was 
we were running about 9,000 members, I think, at the time. I, I started at the church when we were about 4,000. I was one of the young adults ministers at a place called The Bridge. And um, the pastor was ama an amazing pastor, particularly in the early years. And when TBN began to come in and we began to go live all around the world and do some huge events and things began to grow and the cameras came in and the lights came in, the fog machines came in and the entertainment came in. It, I believe it began to blind, not just us, but I believe particularly the senior pastor. And I'll withhold his name for, for the sake of privacy, but um, I had a dream. And in this dream, and I'm not a huge dreamer, believe it or not, but the Lord has begun to speak to me, particularly this past year, um, in dream form. Well, this was one of the first dreams I had prophetically, and I didn't really know what it was. Now, I also work in the painting industry as well as pastoring. So here's, the Lord knows your language. And so here's what he spoke to me. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, Benita. Um, my sister also went to this church with me. She was, uh, she helped direct some of the, the children's ministry there. Well, God speaks to me in this dream, and we're in this big stadium, and the pastor is standing right by me. And in this dream, he had glasses on, and these glasses were chameleon. Now, he was living a different lifestyle outside of the church lifestyle. He was beginning to slowly make a lot of poor decisions. Little by little, the ministry began to deteriorate. We were at such a high. And those glasses also had overspray on them. Hence, I work in the painting industry. The dream meeting, he was living an alternative, not an alternative lifestyle, but another lifestyle out of the church life. And also, his vision was skewed. He couldn't discern the mistakes that he was making and what end he would come to if he kept down that road. And so just a couple of days later, this pastor is a high profile pastor and he comes up to me for a word and he had never in the history of the church since I had been there, since 2003, all the way through 2008, had never approached me for a word. I've never told you this. And he comes up to me while I'm in the, in the, in the, in the seats and he comes to me with his entourage and I'm just a young kid. And he comes to me and he stands there and he's waiting for this word and I'm nervous. And the Lord's like, tell him, give him the word. And I sat there and he walks away and I didn't give him the word. 2011, he's found in a hotel room and he's passed away. It's important to obey God quickly. And now what began to happen as I was disobedient and I pushed the hand of the Lord off of me and said, Lord, I'm just... I'm too nervous, I'm too scared, is little by little when you begin to refuse to do what God calls you to do, little by little his voice begins to be more and more silent as you are desensitized from the voice of the Holy Spirit. But as you begin to, on the flip side, as you begin to obey him more, you get braver, you get more courage to do what he's called you to do. And there were a couple other times in my life that I did that with my surrogate father, his name was Don Hatcher. He's a race car driver. He lived four houses down from me, and me and his son are still best friends. We've been best friends for 28 years when, since we were six years old. And same thing. Selfishness was my problem. And the voice of the Lord began to get more and more silence. I can't tell you how critical it was for Abraham to get up early in the morning and make haste. The Bible says he didn't waste any time. He obeyed God quickly. Look at somebody and say, obey God quickly. Because sacrifice creates this trust, but you know what else it creates? It creates promotion. God begins, as he begins to build trust with you, and he knows that I can trust her with my word. I can trust him 
with my word, he begins to promote you little by little. Amen? Somebody say, promote me, God. The second thing it does, sacrifice creates intimacy. Intimacy with you and God. The level of someone's sacrifice determines the level of intimacy in a relationship. This is the reason, guys, you take out the trash so much. It's not because you like it. Should have got a laugh there. It's not because we like to sweep the house and wash the dishes. I know, honey, you would think that I love to do that, but I don't do it for those reasons. I have ulterior motives, and God will forgive me after church this morning. We do it because of intimacy and love and commitment. And because the scripture says to love your wives as Christ loved the church. But it's a sacrifice. But sacrifice produces something. And I believe that God was wanting Abraham to identify at some level the pain that would once one day come to Jesus of losing his son. Do you, do you realize that most of the friendships you have is not because you just really like the other person? It's because you had some kind of camaraderie and common ground? When we suffer in life and God takes something, you gain common ground with the Father. And Abraham became his friend because God now found common ground. You're willing to lose your son because one day I'll lose my son. And this created intimacy. Is anybody listening to me this morning? It created intimacy between Abraham and God. Because when you experience what God experiences, it, incre it increases the intimacy. You find common ground with him. I'm sharing a lot of stories this morning, forgive me. But I can't help but think about Wyatt. If you don't know who Wyatt is, I'm glad my wife is sitting in the front row so you guys can't see her face this morning. Well, Wyatt was a name that we gave our baby boy that we were supposed to have. And I was uh, in the first year of my pastorate, and it wasn't with Ascension. I was the associate pastor of another church locally. And I'll tell you, I wasn't ready for that. This wasn't just no uh, ordinary uh, miscarriage. This was uh, a baby that we were supposed to carry full term, but because my wife, and I'm sure she won't mind me sharing this with you, um, maybe she will. Just call uh, in the next few hours and make sure um, I'm okay <laughs> at home. And so uh, she developed what's called a fibroid, and this fibroid began to um, take a lot of the baby's nutrients and um, all of the um, it's, it's the blood flow. It began to absorb everything. And so where the baby should have been growing, this fibroid was growing at, at an exponential rate, really, really fast. And so by the time my wife was you know, two months pregnant, she looked like she was six or nine months pregnant. She looked really, really big, and she was bedridden for those times. And so uh, you know, we're at the hospital and going through some complications. And um, I, I know the Lord had spoke to me what was going to happen because this was completely abnormal and out of the left field. 
And we were so excited about this birth. And, and I, re I remember that the, the, the day that the doctors told us there was no longer a heartbeat, I can't tell you the feeling that I began to feel in my heart because I knew that this could have been avoided. This wasn't a normal miscarriage. We were supposed to have the baby. And, and then we lose our son, and then Sunday morning is right around the corner. And so when, when I tell you I understand what sacrifice of praise means, I remember because I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to have a smile on my face. I'm in the front row. I'm supposed to lift my hands. But that morning, just lifting my hands was a sacrifice of praise. And let me tell you something. When you're going through a deep, dark season, when you're going through hell, when you're going through really tough times, when it doesn't seem that God is moving, as a matter of fact, when it seems like all of your life is disrupted, those times that you worship God and praise God mean the most to the Lord, and they are accredited to you, accredited to you as righteousness. Those are the times that counts the most, when it hurts the most, when you want to give up the most, and you still say, God, I bless you. God, I worship you. I will still serve you. I'm not going to stop being your friend because you didn't give me what I wanted. I'm not going to stop being your friend because I'm in pain or I'm in hurting. But when you keep pressing on, there's something beyond the pain, and there is purpose in that pain. I remember preaching a message that, that uh, one uh, maybe a year or two ago. It's called, There is Purpose in Your Pain. And you have to understand that, that sometimes God will allow you to go through certain things. He doesn't cause it, but he will allow you to go through things so that you can gain common ground with him. So now that I've lost the son, I understand the way that he felt to a degree because I've lost mine. He's lost his, and there's some camaraderie there. There's an intimacy that's built. There's a friendship that's there. Amen. So when you lose, it's always for a purpose. I believe that even what the enemy uses, God uses and squeezes purpose out of that thing because God is the author of life. He's not the author of death. Amen? And so if you're experiencing loss this morning, I want to let you know that God is trying to use that loss, whatever heartache that is, and trying to bridge and create intimacy between you and him. As I was thinking about the church growth this morning, when you look around after a year, you begin to wonder, but, but, but you know what the Lord spoke to me recently? He said to me a couple of things. One of those things is that um, Jason Upton said it like this. Um, what is that saying, honey? Um, sometimes, because there's no compromise, when there's no compromise, sometimes that means no compensation. Sometimes no compromise means no compensation. A lot of people think that because I obeyed God, I'm supposed to receive this. Yes, the scripture gives indication to if you do X, Y, Z, yes, you'll get blessing. But there are often times that God will have you do the right thing. What would Peter say to that who got hung upside down for his faith? What would the apostle Paul say who was beheaded for the gospel's sake? I shouldn't die, Lord. I'm a servant. I shouldn't lose my son or my daughter, or I shouldn't go through this amount of pain because I'm a Christian. As a matter of fact, you may go through more pain because you are a Christian, but guess what God blesses you with in return, an intimacy that you would have not known if it wasn't for that pain that you'd gone through. Amen. The third thing that it does is it creates presence. Sacrifice creates presence. Not presence like at Christmas time. Presence, his presence. Everybody say presence. I remember at the church I served at for years that I had just mentioned, I used to love serving. I still love to serve. I still love to serve. And every, I was there about four days a week. 
And I remember I would be there on Thursday night for um, Bible study. Every Thursday, I didn't miss a Thursday for years and years and years. And then Sunday, there were three services. I was there all three services from nine in the morning. We had nine, 11, and one o'clock. And I would be at all three services because I was out helping to manage the parking lots. There's about seven to 9,000 people. So you can figure that every single Sunday, managing that many cars, and there was only two small entrances. So it was really strenuous. So, so I grew up in church where, you know, you were in church from 9 a.m. to, you know, three in the afternoon because you still had to clean up after everybody. And my, my sister's like giving the testifying hallelujah hand over there. Um, but we were in church all day, right? And, and so I remember not only that, but on Wednesdays, what I didn't tell you was Wednesdays, I would go to the um, big youth um, auditorium where the uh, basketball court was, and I sweep it, and I mopped it. And that was when, before I got affiliated with the bridge and the young adults ministry, and I would hear the worship up there, and I would just put my headphones in. Sometimes I would listen to the worship, and I can't tell you how much the presence of God would show up in that place. I would turn the lights off while I was sweeping the floors, and I was mopping the floors, and the presence of God would just fill the room, and I'd be crying as I'm just pushing the dirt. And I had a business I was running at the same time, so it wasn't like I was some guy just trying to look for something to do. I just wanted to be a part of what God was doing. I wanted to be where he was. Anytime those doors were open, I'm just like, Lord, let me hold the door for someone. Let me smile at someone. Let me sweep a floor. Let me mop it. And God's presence would be on me like it is even to today. And he wasn't coming because he just wanted to show me his presence. You know what I believe? He was coming because I was sacrificing something. And God's presence shows up oftentimes when we are sacrificial. And if you want to attract God's presence, you must be a sacrificial person. You cannot be a Christian and not be sacrificial. You cannot be, excuse me, a true follower of Jesus and it not cost you something. As a matter of fact, here's what the Bible says. If you do not take up your cross daily and follow after me, you cannot be my disciple. In other words, there is a weight that comes with confessing Jesus Christ as Lord, but there's also a great joy, a great contentment, a great glory, and a great presence that will rest upon your life depending on the level of your sacrifice. I want them to just play for a minute because I just want to minister to you a little bit more. Is that okay? Just, just a few minutes. As I went to the Holy Land yesterday... How many have been to the Holy Land experience here in Orlando, Florida? I love that we went into the wilderness tabernacle with my family here, my Aunt Lane and my Aunt Jenny and my mother. It was my mother's 60th birthday. Somebody give my mom a shout. <laughs> Happy birthday. She's precious to me. I was in, we were in this room that had the model of the old wilderness tabernacle. It's also called the Tent of Meeting. And they went through all the steps of basically walk through what the tabernacle was all about. And the first thing before you even go into the inner courts, there's this place where they burn the lamb. You can't go inside until you sacrifice. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't get it. You would have said amen. Before you go into the holy of holies or even into the inner courts or the holy place, there's a place where you sacrifice first. Do you want to know why? There's many people who say, Lord, I want your presence. And you know what the Lord's saying? 
where's your sacrifice? If you come into my presence, do not come without sacrifice. For some of you, that might mean volunteering. For some of you, it might be actually listening to that leading when someone is struggling on the side of the road with, the car, with their car up on a, uh, what do you call it? A jack. Or maybe it's someone at the gas pump. Maybe, maybe a, a mom who's screaming kids are, you know, running amok in the car and you can you tell she's a single mom, has no ring on her finger and you just so, and the Holy Spirit highlights her hand and you know she's a single mom and you pump $20 of gas in her car. That's sacrifice. If you want the presence of God, it takes sacrifice. Sacrifice might be, mean staying married to a very difficult person. God accepts that sacrifice. What does that sacrifice mean to you? What is it in your life right now that is indeed a deep sacrifice that you're making? Or what is it that he's calling you to sacrifice? You know, for me, it was accepting the many losses that I shared with you. And for me, the Lord asked me, like he asked Abraham, to raise the knife on my business. And he said, will you choose a church over your business? Will you raise the knife? Will you suffer the potential loss of everything you've worked so hard for for 18 years? Raise the knife. With hesitation and shaking hands. Yes, Lord. Somebody say, yes, Lord. And the fourth thing that it does, and I want you to stand to your feet. Does everybody get anything out of this today? You may or may not know this song. It's a, it's a beautiful song. Angelique's not going to sing it, but the lyrics say this. You provide the fire, and I'll provide the sacrifice. You provide the fire, and I'll provide the sacrifice. Because the fourth thing that sacrifice does, it brings the fire. It brings the fire. Supposed to be there. Give him a minute. It brings the fire. A lot of us want the fire of God in our lives. We want the fire of God in our church, but yet we are doing little sacrificing to get it. I remember when in the scriptures in the Old Testament, when when Eli, when Elijah was on the top of Mount Carmel, he begins to build an altar. And he begins to put stones in front of it and he puts the sacrifice on it and he actually puts water on it because he doesn't want people to think that he's you know trying to just light it with a with a match like he, he wants to douse this thing in other words if God's going to do it he's going to have to consume up the water he's going to do have to do everything it's got to be God in order for this thing to catch fire amen and so he puts the sacrifice on it and lo and behold the fire falls from heaven the problem with people saying that they want God in their life. I want the fire of God in my life. I want the zeal like you were talking about. I want the passion, but yet there's little sacrifices being made. But I believe as a church community, even in your own personal, personal life, as you begin to make sacrifices, God will send the fire. I've been preaching this message about the sound of awakening. And if we're gonna have a real awakening and a real revival, we're gonna have to be a people who are sacrificial. 
it's going to cost something. It's going to cost something. Amen? Go ahead and bow your heads. We sing about we want the fire and we sing about, Lord, we want the real thing. We sing about all these things, revival, and we go to many conferences and for years I've gone to conferences. <laughs> and yet I'm not really truly seeing any fire. But Lord, we want the real thing. And if we are going to experience the real thing, we're going to have to be people who put things on the altar that mean a whole lot to us. We're going to have to be a sacrificial people. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.